Uh, Matthew chapter 11 is where we're going today. We're going to start a series um, today, and I don't traditionally, typically like series because I don't know if you know this or not, but I have like extreme, extreme ADHD, and so I like to preach one week at a time um, because, you know, anyway, um, and so, but I, I really, God showed me this uh, over the last couple of weeks, and leading up to Easter, I believe this is really going to provide a lot of, of, of freedom and hope, and man, just, you know, we exist to win the lost, right? We, 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 we don't just come to church just to come to church. God places us here so that we can become equipped. That's my job, is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And so there are people in your lives that need to hear the good news of Jesus. And so um, in, this, in this series, um, I, the title of the series is called Come Unto Me, um, which is awesome. And we're going to talk about a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 11 um, that honestly is just out of context when it's used a lot. And I'm going to help you paint the picture of what Jesus was actually inviting people out of um, rather than even into. Um, it's a, it, the tagline is a, an invitation into everything religion isn't. And so I'm excited about it. So lean in with me today. I was going to preach this for three weeks um, and then just studying this week. I, I really just have to tee it up this week and then we're going to walk through it over the next few weeks. So I promise you this is going to be one of the most powerful sermon series for you to invite your friends who don't like church, turned off by God, can't stand religion, all of those things that we all hate here. Amen, everybody. Um, this will be a great opportunity for you to invite that. But today, today we're going to set it up. We're going to put the ball on the tee, um, and then we're going to play um, next week. But today we're kicking off a brand new series leading up to Easter. Um, and this series is really going to show us the heart of God um, and the heart of Jesus. And not only His heart, um, but also like why God sent him um, to this earth, his, his purpose for being here on the earth. Um, th don't get me wrong, because supremely, his purpose was to die on the cross for you and me. When I have a gap, you say, Amen. got it. Um, his, his supreme purpose was to die on the cross so that I could spend eternity in heaven. Think about that, right? That, that no matter what I've walked through, no matter what I've been through, that the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross at Calvary for me, it now gives me the ability as I place my faith in Jesus to spend eternity in heaven. That's a pretty good deal, right? We don't have to, to be worm dirt forever. We get to like spend eternity in heaven and we get reunited with those that have went before us. And I mean, that's powerful if that was his own only purpose. But, but that wasn't his only purpose for being here on the earth. If that was his purpose, then he wouldn't have been born a baby in a manger um, to a virgin and grown up and was a sibling and a son and an uncle and, and all the things. He, he would have just came here, died on the cross, went to heaven, and that would, be, that would be it. He has so much more. When you stop at salvation only, you miss out on so much more that God wants for you inside of your life. Yes, supremely was he the one who came to take away the sins of the world, as John the Baptist said, right? Or look at this scripture. He introduces us to Jesus. Um, John the Baptist does. He says, um, he says, um, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That was his supreme purpose. If that's the only thing he did, come on somebody, that would be enough. But that's not the only thing he did through his life. I'm so thankful for the work that Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. I'm so thankful for that. However, it's not the only reason 
here's what I want to show you this morning. And we're going to kind of go on a journey. So you got to stay with me, track along, take some notes, um, because I believe it's going to make some great conversations inside of your small groups too this week. Um, but if we were to live our walk with God, our life, stopping at salvation only, we would miss out on so much more that God has for us in our life. So much more that He has destined for you, right? The, the call of God isn't like receive salvation, take up space in a pew somewhere, and when you die and go to heaven, it'll all be great, but you live on in hell on earth until you get there. That's not the call of Jesus. That is just singular pulling out salvation and making that the only purpose in which Jesus came and died and, and did all the things. That, that, that makes His life so one-sided. That God loved us, He sent Jesus, He died for us, but that's it. You know, when I look throughout the history of the church, this is what we're going to talk about. I told somebody this morning, like, I'm going up the middle on this religion thing. And so we'll see. Um, but when I look throughout the history of the church, even where we're at today, I think it's safe to say, even most people that I know that are, are Christians, I think it's safe to say that we've stopped that salvation. I think it's safe to say that by and large, the church, even believers, have stopped that salvation. It's like, well, we can just get you saved. It's like, well, then what? Like, I'm saved and I'm 26, I'm 16, I'm 15, I'm 38. I'm, I'm like, what am I? Well, I'm saved. Okay, great. Here's what we need you to do. Get saved. We need you to sit right there. We need you to give 10%. We need you to take your turn in the nursery. And then we need to just, that's what we're going to do perpetually until we all die and go to heaven or Jesus comes back, depending on where you go to church, right? One of them is going to come faster than the other. But, but here's the problem with stopping, because this is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem in my life. This is a problem in your life. This is a problem in church history, church in the whole today. When you understand that, that salvation is the starting blocks for what God wants to do in and through your life, it really changes some things. When you stop at salvation only, you begin religion. When your relationship with God is a, or your interaction with the Father, you notice we say the Father a lot because, you know, we do that intentionally because this is this family language. He is our heavenly Father. We take time at an encounter. We do a whole session on, on the Father's heart because that's the foundation in which you believe and see God. But when the only interaction between me and my heavenly Father is the transaction that He paid for me on the cross, the only next step for me is religion. You've got to get this. You've got to understand this. You, you see, we often fail to understand this huge fact. And as a result, we have churches and ministry and the whole thing, Christians that believe this way. We fail to realize that Jesus, one of Jesus' purpose, one was to die on the cross for our sin. But another great purpose that Jesus had on this earth was to bring us out of religion. Was to free us from the weight of religion. The rules of religion, the regulations of religion, the judgmentalness of religion, the comparison of religion, the, the, the pain of religion, the weight of religion. Are y'all with me this morning? That, that's one of the main purposes. Because if you stop at salvation, you're familiar with God's hand 
of salvation, but you're not connected to God's heart, which says, I want you to live an incredible life on this earth and reach other people for the same thing that you got reached for. Jesus, one of the, you can't convince me otherwise, the main, one of the main purposes that Jesus came to earth was to invite us out of religion. To invite us out of that pain and that, that weight of carrying our own sin and atoning for our own sin and being pressed down and feeling bad about ourselves. And, and that was his invitation. In order to really see this, though, and this is what stretched the, the series from three weeks to four weeks. But in order to really see this, though, we've got to go back. In order to, to see that Jesus came to invite us out of religion. Yes, he came to die for my sins, but yes, he came to... To invite me out of this religious mindset. You've got to go back to the, to the beginning. And so let's go back to the beginning really quick. We're going to kind of summarize the Bible. As far as sin and the Father's heart for you. And, and all the things and why Jesus, why he sent Jesus. Is, so, so the moment, um, it's so funny that, that, that Christian said that this morning. When, when he created Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, Everything was great. They spent time with the Lord. There was no barrier in between them and God. They, they had that time with God. They had this relationship with God. They were familiar with His voice. They were familiar with His heart. They were familiar with His love for them. They were familiar with what He wanted for them. And y'all know what happened, right? The woman ruined it for everybody, right? <laughs> that went over about as good in the first one, right? It's always the woman's fault, just so y'all know. And so she talked Adam, this poor, sweet, dear man, into eating an apple. And then, uh, you know, the rest is history. I'm just kidding. But the moment that they brought, you got to notice this. We go from the Garden of Eden. I'm with God every day. I have full access to God every time I need Him. I have full access to every good thing that He has for me in my life. He's just here with me. This is great. The moment sin enters the world, there is now separation between God and His creation. Now, from that moment on, the burden of being with God, being in community, community with God, being in right standing with God, being, being in, in, good in God's Sight was dependent on what man could do to earn it. And for thousands of years, the world operated like that. Now, God gave the people a law. He did. But then, because we love religion so much as humans, we love religion. I'm about to show you all how much we love it. We not only had the law of God, but we added to it. It's amazing. Like, you had to wash your hands like 38 steps to washing your hands before you can come to church. How many steps you can take on this day of the week. You had to wrap these things around your arms, around your head. You had to, you had to put sackcloth and ashes on when you made a mistake. You had to, to, to do all of these things that man added to the law of God. Which created religion. Why? Because we stopped that. You're getting this, painting this picture. We've got to start at the beginning. Our ability to be holy, our ability to adhere to the law, our ability to pay for our own sin, every single year you had to come to the priest. You couldn't even read the Bible. The priest had to read the Bible to you. Every year you'd bring a goat, you'd bring a dove, you'd bring a cow if you were really bad. How many of y'all ever brought a cow? Amen, everybody. But you'd have to travel to this far land and there had to be bloodshed. You had to pay for it. And it was a thing. It was a weight. It was a burden to carry your own, to carry the weight of your own sin. Are y'all with me this morning? 
You know what I think about this? It's a heavy weight to adhere to the perfect expectations of religion, isn't it? It's like hard to be, to be perfect. It's even harder to pretend you are. And what we see inside of humanity in this moment is religion began to take hold, really take hold. You know, let me let me expose this in all of us because we're all not. I know we're new life people, right? And we love people right where they're at and all all that mess. But but we all have this propensity in us to to fall back into the traps of religious thinking and a religious mindset. You know, I was studying for this this week and I realized we really do love religion. We love it. You know why we love it as a human race? We love it because it creates a rank structure and I can be more powerful than you. I can, can sit on the stage in my fluffy chair. Come on, somebody. This is a church I grew up in, right? Only the holy people were on the stage. Only the good people were deacons. Only the exceptional were elders. Come on, somebody. We, we love religion because religion gives us, we love power. We love being over people. That's just a human thing we have. That's why we love, love religion. I think the enemy created religion more than, any, than anything else. Here's another reason we love religion. We love religion because religion makes us feel good. If I can check the boxes, then I can feel better about me. Well, how many, you've been reading your Bible plan? Because I have. Come on, this is real. How many times do you pray a day? Well, let me just tell you about my prayer life. Well, I, 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 I don't really have a testimony like they do. You know, God bless them. We, we love this because it makes us feel good. It gives us power. That's what religion does. Religion gives us the ability to, to compare ourselves with other people. It, it, we check these boxes and we feel, feel good about it. Uh, uh, what, what, what was the other thing uh, I said? We love it because it creates a rank structure. We love it because it gives us a false sense of satisfaction that when we do check off the religious boxes, we feel better about ourselves. Because it creates a measuring line that we can place on others and when they don't measure up, we feel better about us. Be careful. I'll tell you this, I wish, I wish, I'm trying to think of people, we have so many people here now, I don't know a name I can use without offending somebody, uh, I really hope Brienne, <laughs> Sherry, <laughs> it's like I hope Sherry was here today to hear that message, that would have been great for Sherry. You understand that's religion. Not like, man, I wish Tracy was here today because, man, I know she's been struggling. She really would have, man, she really needs to hear that. It's like, well, I wish Sherry would have been here today so she would have heard that. We love religion as a people. Not only that, but so easily we forget about where we were when we, when we needed the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to pick us up and to dust us off. We forget that we were sinners in our life. We love religion. So the world is in, is in religion. And I believe this broke the very heart of God. I really do. I believe God looked down at people and he said, man, I don't want them to carry this weight. Man, I don't want this to, to, to feel like it does. Not only does religion place a barrier between us and other people, through comparison, through power, through all the things, but it also creates a barrier in between us and, and God. Ba religion will create a barrier between you and God as much as sin will create a barrier between you and God if you let it. Because you'll fall in love with your tradition and not your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. 
You'll fall in love in your mechanism and not your relationship with Jesus. I don't give a crap how long you've been saved, how much Bible you read every day, how long you pray every day, whatever, whatever you do to check the box. How many people are you sharing the gospel with? How, how many people are you helping? How, come on, somebody, this is real. So here we are in history, right? In biblical history, and the weight of religion is heavenly, heavy. I wholeheartedly believe that God saw this from heaven before Jesus came and it broke his heart. I wholeheartedly believe that, that God hates religion. Everybody still okay? That his desire is for there to be no barrier between him and I. That's his desire. So what does a good father do? He fixes it for his kids. Right? Oh, Lord, have mercy. River this week, he took the... Man, I tell you what. Praise God, he's still here. Um, he has a hammer and he likes to take apart his, his play set. And he'll just take it apart and I'll put it back together. And it's kind of a fun game we play. He tears it up and I fix it. Any dads in the room ever played this game with your kids? You tear it up and I fix it. And uh, he took the board out of the floor of his playhouse and went and fell through it and was hanging by his head. And we got him. We rescued him. It's okay, guys. We're attentive parents. Anyway. But God saw this hole in the floor of the playset and thought, this is really dangerous for my people to walk into. I've got to figure out a... a a way to fix this once and for all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son to close that gap in between me and them so they never have the gap again. I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for them so they don't have to atone for their own sin and work for it. I'm going to send my son to them so they can experience my heart and not just my hand. I'm going to send my son to them so they don't have to carry the weight of religion anymore. I can actually invite them out of the religion that they love so well. He sent Jesus to live the life that I couldn't live. To die the death I couldn't die. I should have died. All so that once and for all, He could be with me. It's good news, everybody. He sent Jesus to set up the greatest invitation the human race would ever experience. The invitation out of religion. The invitation into everything religion isn't. The invitation into everything religion can never be. You see where we are in the world today. One of the greatest barriers to reaching the lost in your everyday life. Are y'all good? Y'all good? This is good. Y'all are leaned in, locked in. I love it. One of the greatest barriers I have to, 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 to preaching the gospel to people in my everyday life this is, this, this, is, this is huge. To reaching the lost, to preaching the gospel, to inviting people to church. One of the greatest barriers is to, to them, one of the greatest barriers to them experiencing the fullness of the invitation to everything religion isn't, is their view of the church. Their view of Christianity. Their view of the Father that is based on their experience with religion. Their experience with a people group called the church 
or Christians that operates with a religious mindset. That's the biggest barrier to preaching the gospel in your everyday life. Think about it. When you share the gospel with someone, with the lost, when you invite someone to church, the touch point in which they've experienced God is the church. And they're out on that. I'm out on that. I'm out on that. I have experienced that. Church people are the worst. They're mean. They'll talk about you behind their back. They'll pretend you're a friend on Sunday. And they will run you down Monday through Friday. They, will, they, would, rather, they would rather pray for you than help you. This is the norm. You've got to understand. This is the way that, that the world sees the Heavenly Father and Jesus. They see Him through the lens of the church. I believe that people will naturally, and they God designed them to naturally run to the Father, run to the cross, run to grace, run to mercy, run to a relationship with God. An invitation that's not clouded with religion. Uh, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. It's crazy, but like when I preach the gospel to people, like, and I, I mean, like, I'm 10 for 10, except for the lady at Arby's this weekend that was like, <laughs> I, started, I was pre-drawing preaching the gospel through the, through the, and I'm not weird about it. Am I weird about it? Yeah, I was weird that day. I think I started out with like, I think I started out with, you learn as you go, you get better at it. I started out with like, uh, have you thought about where you go when you die? And I don't think that was the right place to start. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she said, uh, have a nice day. <laughs> she shut the little glass and I just drove on. But I, listen to me, I lead people to Jesus or preach the gospel to people with relative ease. Like you, you put, me, put me somewhere with anybody, man, woman, old, young. And like when I begin to tell them about how much God loves them, when I begin to tell them that every single day I wake up and I pray that God would put somebody in my path that doesn't know about him. And, and I begin to tell them about the love of the father and, and the heart he has for them and that he sees them and that he's with them and that all the things they, 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 they're, they're uh, hey, give it to me. They're open. The problem happens is when I mention church. That's when they're ho, 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 ho. I'm out on that. This is what we got to fix, guys. This is why I told you I was going up the middle this week. An invitation that's not clouded with religion. An invitation that is not clouded with hypocrisy. An invitation that is not clouded with behavior modification. The world needs to hear the real invitation. The people you work with need to hear the real invitation. God, I need to hear the real invitation. The, the, the fact of the matter that everyone in this room needs to hear the real invitation. Not the one clouded by religion. So I want to take you to the real invitation today. That was just the intro, everybody. I want to take you. I'm hurrying, honey. I want to. I want to take. I got, I got done in good time last service. I want to take you to a moment in Scripture today. I want to take you to the real invitation. And my prayer is that it begins to change the way that you see your life, that it begins to change your perspective on preaching the gospel in your life, and it begins to bring you hope that you can actually live the life. That God called you to live. Amen, everybody. So let me set this picture up for you. Here we are, Matthew chapter 11. And Jesus has this following big crowd of people. 
And he starts off Matthew chapter 11 talking about this city that didn't receive him and repent. And this city and didn't receive him and repent. And this city that didn't receive him and these people that didn't that didn't hear what he had to say. And he's he's surrounded by his followers, but he's also surrounded by the church people of the day, the religious leaders of the day, the the people who were the people putting the barriers in between God and people. Amen, everybody that were the people that said you can only walk this many steps on this day. You can only do this. You can only do that. Don't drink, smoke, chew or run with girls who do the whole list. And a lot of times when we see this scripture, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We use that as like a, when we're broken or we're, and it is good for that. But the context, the historical context around this moment is Jesus giving them the greatest invitation that humanity had ever seen up to this point was the invitation out of religion into his rest. Out of the weight of, of, of trying to atone your own sin into His grace. Out of the burden of trying to be perfect and holy before God on your own into His perfectness and His greatness and His sacrifice that would come in the next, the next season. Are you all with me? This is the moment. Matthew chapter 11 verse 25. He's preaching this to a world trapped by the expectations of religion. Anybody ever felt those expectations? He's preaching this to a world weary and tired of trying to meet all of the requirements of man-made religion. This is the moment. Can you all picture it with me? This is not just white robe, blue sash, Jesus petting a sheep saying, come and rest by the tree with me and, and everything. No, no, no. This is not this moment. Religious leaders, church people, you all know how mean they can be? They killed every prophet up until him and they was going to kill him too. And everyone after him. It says at this time Jesus declared. I thank you Father Lord in heaven and earth. That you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. And revealed them to little children. I love God always uses family language. Yes Father. For such is your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. What is He saying? You're wrong. I've got the deal here. I am in control here. I am the new way. I am the new sheriff in town. My way is a better way. My way don't involve them earning it. My way don't involve their perfectness. My way doesn't involve their ability to adhere to the religious law. My ability... This is what Jesus is saying. This is controversial. you got to see this. And then He says this, Come unto Me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest from religion. I will give you rest from the rules, lists, and regulations. I will tell you you don't have to wash your hands 28 times to be in the presence of God. I want to tell you that on your worst day, my Father sent Me here to buy you back. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, you all understand what a yoke is, right? It's a, it's a thing you put on an ox. And, and his is easy. His, his way of, of, of having a relationship with the Father is easy. Let me tell you, this thing ain't hard. It's way more simple than we complicate it up to be. It's He loved me. He sent Jesus to die for me. He completely loves me, affirms me, chose me. All the things. So now I must live for Him. 
That's it. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart. Not like these people who aren't. They are mean-spirited and have bad hearts. And you will find rest for your souls. Come on, I love it. Y'all all just sighed. See, that's, that's, that's it. That is it. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow, can you see the heart of God right here? So good, huh? You, you got to see this. This wasn't just a speech. This wasn't like, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. This was Jesus standing in front of all of the religious leaders of the day and saying, your time has come to an end. Your manipulation of people has come to an end. Your heavy burden on people to try to live right and be holy has come to an end. You've got to understand how, how confrontational this, this, really, this really was. It wasn't just simply encouragement. This was the moment. This was a bold confrontation of the system of religion. This was a harsh stance against the way that the church had operated. This was in every way Jesus standing before the leaders of the day and saying the burden that you've placed on my people is too heavy. They felt terrible long enough. They have struggled alone long enough. You've held them in bondage long enough. It was also those oppressed and pushed down, those exhausted from trying to keep up the demands of religion, a call out of the way of life into a better way of life, a life of inner peace, not circumstantial peace, not peace through control, peace through freedom on the inside. It was a life of fulfillment where they could do things for God that, would know, that they never thought they could do. It was a life where they could cast off the restraints of religion and begin to walk in freedom. In a relationship with Jesus. A life where they would not have to struggle alone. And they could be in a body. A life where they had not, 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 not to commit suicide alone. And, and fight alone. And, and hide their problems. And pretend like they had everything together. This was the invitation of Jesus Christ. They could experience the blessing of the relationship they have with God. Experience the blessing of being inside of a body. Finding out who they are, being who they are. What a beautiful invitation that was, ladies and gentlemen. Those experienced, those experienced the pain of religion, the invitation into everything religion isn't. So good, isn't it? It's the invitation into everything religion could never be. Can you see this moment? Oh, I would love to tell you. I ordered a new chair today, by the way. One that doesn't squeak. My wife said, what color is it? Doesn't matter, honey. I would love to tell you, though, Sherry, in that moment when Jesus invited them out of religion, that everything went happy ever after. But what's interesting is religion didn't even miss a beat. It didn't even hit a speed bump. It didn't even slow down. As a matter of fact, it killed Jesus. Listen, John and I were talking in between service, and he was like, "When the, that, ser- that scene in the Passion where they stab the spear through Jesus, and um, the church splits, and all you know, the world goes dark. You guys remember this? The veil is torn, and all these things happen. 
I'd love to tell you in that moment they all got it. Great! And they all sat around and had Asbury Revival and they just didn't. They traded Barabbas for him. As a matter of fact, in the, in the next season, they said, crucify him. And the, the religion never missed a beat. Remember how I told you we love religion? Jesus would go on to fulfill his purpose and die on the cross for us. Remember how I told you that when you stop at the cross as a transactional moment between you and the Father, that the that you begin to get into the grips of the religious mindset. The bad news is that religion didn't die that day. I wish it would have. It would make my job so much easier. In our culture today, I told you this earlier in the message, but, but I can lead someone to Jesus pretty easy when the invitation is the right invitation. It's really easy when I tell them how much God loves them and that He sees them. You remember I said this before? I do it all the time. The facts are that people are designed to be open to hear the invitation. Now more than ever, people in your everyday life are hurting. Now more than ever, people in your everyday life are open to hear the right invitation. People are willing to hear about Jesus today. They just are. But, but you've got to find, but <laughs> I've led a lot of people to Jesus since I started New Life. And I didn't do this for 10 years in ministry. The only time I ever led someone to Jesus was on a stage, which is religion. But I've yet to find somebody who hasn't been hurt by church that I've led to Jesus. I've yet to find somebody who isn't like, I, I, I resonate with this invitation, but those people suck. We, we, were, we were witnessing to this girl, me and Ryan, Kristen, Matthew, at Johnny Carino's. Um, it's an Italian place. You do? There are better ones than Johnny Carino's, just so you know. I'm going to get you a gift card to a better Italian restaurant. Um, remind me. We're going to get Sherry. We're going to find a better one. You gotta, we got to broaden your horizon. And the amount of gluten in that place. Oh, my God. Um, Oh man, the amount of gluten at, at, at Johnny Carino's. That bread, hey, that bread. All right. So I start witnessing to, we, we collectively kind of start witnessing to, to the person who's waiting on us. And they said, oh, I, I believe in God. Like, I'm, I'm in that deal. I'm going to heaven. She said, I just refuse to be associated with that people group. true no matter how sad it is the fact is that the church we're known more for what we're against than what we're for we have a really 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 bad reputation among people who don't who aren't a part of our little group but i want you to know that i believe from the bottom of my heart that God sent us here in Hydro, America, in 2023 to begin to shift the narrative of what church can be for people. I really do believe that from the bottom of my heart. I believe that God sent us here to shift the narrative, to begin to change the conversation around what church can be. And I believe that God put you in this room this morning because your heart desires the same thing. 
I believe that you're here this morning because God has placed you here because there's something in you that resonates with that message. Are y'all with me this morning? Over the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to be real with you. We're going to talk about the invitation, what the invitation of Jesus actually is. We're going to pray about this invitation together over the next four weeks. We're going to give this invitation to everybody in our lives together. Amen, everybody. We're going to watch as God calls his children back to him in the right invitation. And we're going to be known as that little church in Hydro that was the spark to turn Western Oklahoma back to God and change the conversation around mean-spirited religious church people. I believe that. So I want to end out our time together today. I want to give you three things really quick on what the invitation isn't. So buckle up. We're going to run through these. Are you all ready? We're setting it up. Let me tell you something. Next week, we're going to start this together. Bring your tired. Bring your broken. Bring bring all the people who hate church. If you can figure out how to get them here, I promise you God's going to move in their life. All right, here we go. Number one, this is what you got to know. The invitation isn't. The invitation isn't dependent on you. There's no matter what you've done, no matter what you've walked through, no matter what you've seen, no matter how many times you've messed up in your life, the invitation isn't dependent on you. That's what Jesus said. This isn't about your holiness. This isn't about your ability to get it right. This isn't about your ability to adhere to the principles. This is about me and what I'm about to do on the cross for every single one of you. you got to know that about the invitation of Jesus. It is not dependent on you. The Bible says that while you were still a sinner... God proved his love for you and sent Jesus to die for you. That the invitation isn't dependent on you. The beauty of this invitation is it doesn't come with preconceived notions. It just doesn't. It's not a, if you'll do this, I'll do that. It's a, I'll do everything if you'll just come. There's nothing you've done, nothing you've walked through or are walking through today that Jesus doesn't know and hasn't seen. As a matter of fact, he knows that he knows all that and has seen all that and has watched you walk through that. And his result and his only response is just come. Just come. Amen, everybody. Romans 5, 5, 8, 5, 5 through 8. This is the message version. It says, Christ, I love this. Sometimes I read a little, you know, this is great. Christ arrives. Sometimes I read something other than the King James. I'm just kidding. Um, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything Next slide, to get ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, which we were, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person that's worth dying for, but let me tell you something, Sherry, when God found me, I wasn't worth dying for. And we can understand that how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice, But God put his love on the line by offering his son and sacrificial death while we were no use whatsoever to him. (laughs) 
Love is, I'm going to give it all, even though you can do nothing for me. That is the, the invitation of Jesus. His only response to all that you've done, all that you've experienced, all that you've walked through, however many times you've screwed up, is just come. Number two, here's a good one. We've got to move, got to move, got to move. Number two is this invitation. What is it? Put it up here, Riker. The invitation isn't just for you. It just starts with you. you got to know this part about new life. We preach the gospel and make disciples. That's what we do. He says, come unto me. You mean people that, are, that don't vote like me? You mean people that are believe like this? You mean people that are anti-vax? You mean people that are pro-vax? You mean people that are riding with Biden? You mean people that are on the Trump train? Everybody! 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 All. All. Say this. Say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves people who aren't like me. Jesus loves people I like. Jesus loves people I don't like. It's the invitation that's for you, but doesn't, it starts with you, doesn't end with you. I love this. this is Paul. I love Paul. We've got to hurry. Here we go. Paul. He says this in Scripture. It's the next slide. Come on, Riker. Stay with me, buddy. Christ arrives. Nope, the wrong one. You got to pay attention. We're in point two. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How then will they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how then will they believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? We need to stop praying for revival to come. And we need to start praying for revival to leave the church. Leave the pew. Leave your mouth. Revival came 2,000 years ago on the cross. It happens every single day. I love this. How, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. The 26th, we're having a big, another big Sunday. These are our lost-centered Sundays. This is what we do a few times a year. We, we, we put all the chips in. We get the petting zoo and the food trucks and we do it all. All within the hope that you could somehow get your friend. Maybe you're not there being able to preach the gospel yet, but you can somehow trick them to come. And they're going to hear the gospel. And they're going to find a group of people who's willing to fight for them. Come on, somebody. And a God who loves them. Amen. Here's the last one. This is for you. I told you today that, 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 that this, this, this message is going to change the way you see God. The last thing you got to know about this invitation is that it's not just a one-time invitation. It's not. It's not just a one-time invitation. It's not just a, a one-time thing where He invites you into his, his love, His grace, His mercy, and then when you screw it up, He says, screw you. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. Remember I told you that religion tells us that the free gift of salvation is coupled with the burden of perfectionism. That I am saved and should now be perfect. Wrong. 
That's not the invitation of Jesus. That's the, that's not, this invitation is into His rest, into His peace, into His grace, and a continual outpouring of that grace inside of our life. The invitation is that no matter what invitation, that's what it is. His expectation isn't that you're saved and now you're perfect. His invitation is, well, sorry. You, you, his, his invitation isn't, isn't, well, sorry, you messed it up. You walked away. You did that. And that's kind of it for you. That's religion. And that's most people's experience with God. The Bible says that the gift and callings of God are without repentance. Which means you cannot be taken away. Can I tell you this today? As a church, we love to tell people they are not qualified to have a calling. But I'll tell you this, God does not call the qualified. If He would have, Jesus wouldn't have been looking for His disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He'd have been up in a Bible college somewhere. Last time I checked, that's reality. Lamentations 3.22, it says this. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness, not mine, because I'm weak and He knows it. He knows how unlikely it is that we'll never mess it up. And all He says is just come back. You got it wrong? Come back. You messed up? Come back. You screwed up? Come back. Amen, everybody? This is the invitation of Jesus. Bow your head, I want to give you the greatest invitation you'll ever hear in your life. Right now in this room, there are people praying right now. And there are people praying outside of this room for this moment that happens every single Sunday morning at New Life Church in all three services. This is the moment where you get to hear the gospel. You've heard it all day. You've heard the gospel all day. But I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus into your heart. So maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Mark, I've never accepted Jesus into my heart. I don't even know what that means. Or maybe you're here and you've walked away from God. But today you'd like to rededicate your life to Christ. What does that mean? If you've prayed the prayer, you're, you are saved. It's a once and for all kind of love. If you couldn't earn salvation, I don't know what you could do to lose it. <laughs> But I want to give you the opportunity to, to, to make a decision today. Make a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. Rededicate your life to Christ. Here's the gospel. Really quick. The gospel is everybody's sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. We've all sinned. We've all cheat, cheated, lied, sold, had hate in our heart, worried. The Bible says we're born into sin. That's the bad news. The good news is God loves us and sent Jesus to die for that sin. His blood was shed to wash us clean and to make us new. The bad news is, is that and so here's what faith is here's what salvation is all it is is it's placing my faith and allowing Jesus to pay the penalty for that sin and not me it's pretty good news that's all I'm doing I'm, I'm saying Jesus I, I want you to pay that sin not me pay the penalty for that sin not me that is salvation and so I want to give you the opportunity to do this. To accept Jesus as your Savior. Place your faith in Him. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you're saved. That's it. No other special, nothing else. 
And so I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. If you're in this room, you say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I've walked away from him. But today I know I I feel like this is my day and I I need to make a decision for Christ. Or maybe you're the first time accepting Jesus as your Savior. Just lift your hand up right where you're at. Just real quick. I'm just going to pray for you. We want to pray together with you. Anybody in this room today? Pray this prayer with me today. Say, Father, I love you. And I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. That His blood was shed to wash me clean and to make me new. Say this. Say, Jesus, be my Jesus. And from this day forward, I will live for you as you show me how.